When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, um, yeah, it's super, it's super casual. So there's no... We're just having a chat. Um, about what you like, about what I like. Yeah. So I have, I have to start with a, um, an apology because I didn't bring you up any bacon misa. I was like, when oh. I saw her on your social media, I was like, oh my god, you've done this is bacon. Like, this isn't bacon. This, this is. Oh, it this is, is a vegan. This is yeah. 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 When Robin was here, he gave us like loads of different misa. Yeah. So it's just in the fridge and every time we like eat something it just comes out and goes on shit yeah. all the time. Yeah. But uh, how long ago is so I'll just do a brief intro. Um, this is Sam and Amy from Fermentation Station. Mm-hmm. And we are in Liverpool. So thank you for having me up. Yeah, up north. Nice to see. Yeah. Nice to see someone from the guild and have a chat in the yeah. in the flesh. Yeah, nice. yeah. So I know I know you guys from Basically, just a WhatsApp group we're in, which is the Guild of Fine Fermenters, set up by a guy called Robin, uh, Sheriff. He's our leader. <laughs> our leader. Yeah. It's like a cult. <laughs> <laughs> He'll hate that. Very He'll much absolutely like a cult. hate it. <laughs> it's a good cult, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> just a, it's a cult of culture. Cult, it's a cult of culture. Yeah, there you go. Cultural. You can have that one for free. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just, I, I just like to hear your story, really. How you, um, how you began and how you're going. Because I feel like you're at a really exciting stage at the moment. Seems that way. Lots of growth. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, we're Amy and Sam, we run the fermentation station. Um, I suppose we like, obviously, like many other people, make fermented foods and drinks, but ours are a little bit different, so we focus on the seasons. So it started with a sort of mission to prevent food waste through fermentation, and then... It sort of, it's gone off in many different angles, but we started to work with local greengrocers and farmers here around their surplus that was seasonal, and then we would ferment it for the seasons to come. Um, I suppose that's what makes us a little bit different to everyone else, in that sense. Yeah, um, for sure. I think we're always sort of trying 
we don't necessarily do sort of like original flavors mm-hmm. I would say um, we do some traditional like kimchi sauerkraut yeah. um, but then a lot of the time it's thinking outside the box and being like what can we do with this what will it pair with what can we use it for mm-hmm. um, so there was one of the leeks that we got from Clown Farm in the Wirral um, we went to see the, the farmer drop off his delivery and um, he was basically sort of along the lines of like there's all these leeks in this field that I can't pick I haven't got time to do it so I'm just going to mulch them we said if you uh, give us a day we'll come back pick them we'll, we'll go put our wellies on yeah. and we did we put wellies on and we went and filled our tiny little car with spinnings <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hands on and uh, sat there and the next day we made this like leek lemon samphire crow and it was like this is what we had these yeah. things are all local um, it saves it from going in the bin yeah, and it means that the farmer could sell it on in his farm, farm. shop and it's like th- those are the, the good stories those are the stuff that like well keeps us going like, yeah oh, amazing definitely. so so you you literally just chopped up the leeks you put like lemon zest or yeah. lemon zest yeah um, we use white cabbage as well white cabbage just sort of like bulk it out a little bit and then um, um, fire. Yeah. and then some juniper berries as well um, yeah. We did that last year, and then it was so popular that we brought it back this spring. Oh, really? Um, you, you blanched the sham, the samphire, sorry. Or you no, just, just, just no, straight in. Straight in, yeah. It just uh, all, all went in straight in together. Yeah. It just, it's a perfect combination. We, we had this, as we were making it, we were like, this would be great for Easter. Yeah. Because it was around that time. Yeah, so it? last year we sort of, because it was our first Easter, we did that. And then we also did uh, spring green and wild garlic, with the idea being that, like, that one would be great with fish, but the spring green and wild garlic would be absolutely great with lamb. So we sort of like paired it. Oh, cool. It's like you could have both on Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it basically started out with, we made Christmas hampers for our family. And that's basically how we got into fermentation. So we made Christmas hampers. So every year, instead of buying all of our family different presents, and then you have to do the, hey, what am I going to buy? And who's going to get what? And how much money do you spend? we would make a hamper so the hamper would be like a Christmas cake and Sam would brew a beer like a homebrew beer and we'd do a chutney and a jam and and then the whole idea was that everyone then returned the jars and then next year they'd get their next hamper Um, and it's we were like oh well we'll," you know kimchi was getting a bit more popular or kombucha and Sam a friend of Sam's that he worked with was moving to she moved to Sweden Sweden yeah she moved to Sweden and she was like I've got my kombucha brewing stuff do you want it to take it and I was like yeah go on I'll I'll like it have a go at it. I've always brewed beer and thought I'd try kombucha as well. Yeah, and then I got gifted a scoby, which is still our, our scobies are still growing from that original scoby, <laughs> yeah. um, which was basically like the size of a small like plum, yeah. like diameter. And then it just, yeah, that's, and then we obviously spiraled out of control. Spiraled out of control. <laughs> like everything, yeah. it's just the, what happens is you make five litres of like kombucha say, and you don't get through it and then you've given it to someone else and then they're then saying oh that was really great can I get some more and <laughs> during the well during lockdown yeah, we had more time I was on furlough um, so I used to work in hospitality I used to work for Brewdog and uh, I was on furlough so I was like I've got loads of time and just like started experimenting with loads of different things and mm. the sideboard was just growing <laughs> and growing and growing and the same again because we became like such good friends with all of the local we're really lucky where we live so there's like a greengrocers and there's a butchers and the fish market like a proper old traditional where you would do your shopping we just became really friendly with them and they would say oh these are going to go in the bin or they're past their best and we got came home one day with like something like four punnets of grapes yeah like, what can you do with four punnets of grapes and there's not nothing wrong with them they were just like we wouldn't sell. They were like, well, they're not going to sell now. So we're, we're just going to either bin them 
we were like, we'll take them. And then just did like a really simple like lactose. It was a lactose for men. Yeah. It was just grapes it was just and salt. Grapes and salt. Oh, just really? left it for a little bit. Like a brine or just Yeah, well it just it sort of formed its own brine. brine. Yeah. And um, You didn't put them in water or anything, no. you just literally salted them and left them. Give them a good stir. And then it formed mm. this almost like grape chutney. Yeah. yeah, which we had on toasties for like, toasties for like oh really yeah. yeah so just grapes and salt just grapes and salt yeah that was it just like, like this is great we did the same with um we made banana vinegar yeah I feel like was that from a, that was from a Sandor Katz book book yeah again oh. bananas that weren't gonna sell we'll yeah. make banana vinegar with them I think my brother came round it was just when you were allowed to go in each other's houses and he was like what is this bowl on the side that's just brown it was, it was just like, yeah, a bowl with a tea towel in it. And he like, lifted it. It's like looking at this brown sludge. I'm like, oh, I'm making banana vinegar. It's like you stir it every day. And it, you know, and he's like, right, okay. It's like these have lost the plot. Enjoy that down. They've gone insane. Probably went home to your mum and was like, Amy's got bonkers. <laughs> the thing is, he kept saying to him as well, look, when you stir it, the brown goes. Yeah, the brown goes. There's yellow at the bottom. And he's like, Right, okay. I'm not convinced. Yeah. But then we made banana vinegar and we put it on. We used to have this dessert in the summer that was just like ice cream, banana chips. There was definitely something Some else. Peanuts. And then banana, maybe it was grapes, something like that. And then banana vinegar on the top of the ice cream. It was so good. It was great. It sounds great, yeah. I think maybe it was brittle. I think maybe we made like banana brittle or something. And sorry, do you need to add anything to it or you just crush up ripe yeah. bananas yeah. and keep stirring? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just so it's just wild yeast. Yeah, it's just airy in it. It just it just slowly turns yeah. this like sludge and then and then you just strain, strain it. Strain it. It's a couple of months, so. No, yeah, I think it, it was, was like, like two weeks. Yeah, it was pretty quick. It was really but it quick. was warm as well, so okay, the temperature yeah. helps because yeah. it was the height of summer. Well, near yeah. enough. Um, I guess there's so much. Sorry, <laughs> that's <laughs> just the dog. Come on, bean. That's the, um, the bean. That's Come the bean. Home. We had a dog last week, so we thought we'd have to continue the thing. <laughs> It's like, be frank. <laughs> I, guess, I guess there's so much sugar in the bananas that it's just yeah. right for it. Yeah. I think, I suppose, for most people, and this is what happens when you talk about fermentation, they make this assumption that fermentation means mould, or that something's gone off, or that it's going to get mouldy. And be like, well, if you're staring at it every day, there's not an opportunity for mould to form. People, um, yeah, people often come to us and say, like, oh, I don't like fermented food, it's like rotten. And it's like, it's not rotten. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a control. Yeah, like, it's like, yeah. there's an element of like. We call it ordered chaos. Yeah. That's how we explain it. Because we talk about us being order and chaos. Who, sorry, which one's order? Amy is I'm order. order. Even considering yeah. the way I'm dressed today, I'm actually order. I'm very much chaos <laughs> because. Uh, uh, when we first started doing this, Amy was like, did you write any of this down? And I'm like, no, <laughs> didn't write down weights, didn't write down what I'd used. I was just like, listen, yeah, a bit of this, bit of that. I was just like... You can't replicate, you can't replicate it? No, any like, of this. And also when you start selling things and you have to do food labels, I bet Sam, you, ha- you have to write this down, you have to write this down. I've got a lot better. You have got much better. <laughs> but that ordered chaos is around, like... I mean, you have it in the beer world of something has to be like clean, but so it's got to be that sort of order. It's ninety-seven percent like of it is cleaning, making sure that everything's stainless, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sterilized, and then you just put the yeast in and go right. Okay, you do the Give chaos, the chaos. <laughs> and then you get sort of ordered chaos at the end. But it's exactly the same. It's just more chaos because there's 
the yeast is less predictable. <laughs> and um, so, so your background was in brewing, Sam, and you, you have a chef background, Amy? No, not at all. My background is medicine. Oh, okay. So I did an anatomy degree, and then I went and did a master's in um, medical humanities, which is like the study of medicine in society throughout history. Um, and then I left that and set up a business where we basically did transformational programs for the NHS. So when I, when Sam went on furlough, I was actually working on a big GP contract, like um, a transformational program within primary care around the change of how we use our GP practices. And so it's a national thing. I was working on the, the Northwest version of it as a consultant. Um, yeah. And then basically what happened was because the NHS is still on like very high COVID alert. Things just never ever got back to normal, right. and then this had taken off so much that we both essentially quit our jobs mm. because we couldn't we couldn't physically do both. No, yeah, yeah. It it, it, it was one of those things where it was like we were having a lot of fun. Yeah. And we were working together, which is always fun. Um, and it was just a case of like, we didn't want to go back to our old jobs. Like we enjoyed that time, enjoyed yeah. lockdown so much. And we were like, well, let's just keep doing this and see if we can make some money. We make this joke now. So a lot of our friends still work within hospitality. And when you refer back to lockdown, they go, oh, the good old days. And you're like, I'm yeah. like, because to them, to like. Get paid the and do nothing and have to deal with people. And it was like really quickly short lived, wasn't it? It was like. How many weeks do you think you were doing? Doing nothing or was it straight into? I was still working on that contract, so I would get up, we would get up, if I remember correctly, I don't know, it's like the summer of love, but you have this like, it was so sunny yeah, all, all the time. time, so we would get up and we'd go for a walk with Coco, or one of us, we'd exercise and we'd do something, and then I would work solidly, and then I'd be like, well, I'll just finish at three, because I can work for myself, and I've done most of my work, and then that's when we would start to like pick stuff up and we'd make things, and then we'd sit in the sun. We live in a terrace house and it's like the sun could sit on the front of our house so we would finish and we'd sit on our stoop. We like proper little stoop sitters. Yeah. Just watch them. So, so watch the people sort of do the same kind of thing and just have a beer. Yeah. So what's, what's a stoop? Oh, a stoop. I mean, like it be like... Um, like uh, so like the stoop outside your house is like your front step, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. So we have... Uh, you come out, there's like a couple steps and then we have a little wall. So we would just literally sit on the wall a bit like, you know, you see, like, in Americans, they sit on the front porch. Right, right. But yeah. far, far more confined. Yeah, they're a lot smaller. <laughs> in our minds, we're, we're like, we're going to build a bench, and we're going to have this. And it's like, <laughs> we're just sat on the wall, it's fine. We're just sat on the wall. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. I feel like it was not as... We were like... There, there was a lot of demand, I suppose. People were like, you've got to do something. Yeah. So you're never going to get this time again. You know, you need to do something with this time. And we were sort of like, well, no, one, we want to do what we want to do, want to do with our time, which for us was like fermenting stuff. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't like... The interesting thing that happened was that by the time that Sam was refer- like returning back to hospitality, I had really only just started furlough. So we then got put on furlough later on because our contract had finished. Mm-hmm. So someone was heading back to work and then I was on furlough. So I was like, oh, this is really bizarre. Because I was then, we just weren't together, which is when I then incorporated TFS in that July. 
because I was like, well, we might, we're probably going to do right. something with you this. Need to, you need to come back home. Yeah. <laughs> Stop going to work. Um, <laughs> and then I think he left. I think he left Brewdog in the August, September time. Wasn't yeah, I think I put afterwards. my notice in August. And yeah. I do a month and I was done by September. After, sorry, you did a, did you study brewing or you just worked in it forever? Um, so I was working as part of the management team in the bar in Liverpool, but I'd always done like home brew and then also did brewing with collaboration beers and stuff. Yeah. So every year, Brewdog bars do like a collab fest. collab fest. I think all the bar staff go and brew a beer with whichever brewery uh-huh. they want to do. And I was always quite sort of involved in that process. Um, I'd also done my Cicero exam through Brewdog, so it was um, sort of equivalent of like sommelier but for beer. Okay. So I had the knowledge from that, but never never studied it. Technically. Um, <laughs> the the sass, mm. the absolute sass. And so, sorry, is it called Cicero? Cicero, yeah. So it's a tra- traditionally American um, exam, but it is solely on. Just on beer, beer and styles, um, beer knowledge, brewing knowledge, cleanliness, and all those kind of things. It's like a um, five-hour exam, isn't it? It is a five-hour exam. Yeah. <laughs> There's wow. a beer tasting at the end, which is they tell you you've got to have like a really big breakfast because um, they give you twelve beers that you've got to drink, and they're basically like this is wrong with this, and this beer is this beer style, um, and then after that you have to put a, a tap, like a beer tap. You have to take it apart and then put it back together. Okay. And you have to do it on camera. And I was like, I've had twelve beers. I think. <laughs> I was just like putting all the pieces out. In and order. Just put the pieces back. <laughs> and held it up and went, "There you go, I'm done." Um, but yeah, it's still quite. There's only about five thousand people, I think, in the world who've passed the second, the second level. Oh, okay. And then there's like a master level, and then. Um, but yeah, so that's I suppose where my knowledge comes from. And so this, I've got a kombucha that you kindly brought mm-hmm. in front of me, and it's Champagne Cassis kombucha. Has that got champagne yeast in it? No, so the, um, the tea is uh, Champagne Cassis. It's a blend of white tea. Oh, I see. Um, and it has uh, red currants, black currants, and lemongrass. Yeah. Um, so this is our like, flagship kombucha, um, if you will. So it's... We launched with it mm-hmm. in the November 2020. So that's it. the tea itself is from a brand here in Liverpool called Leaf that only do loose leaf teas and they have three cafes as well, mm-hmm. which are really lovely. Um, and we launched with that and then we just, obviously because it's seasonal, we discontinued it. So when it came to spring, it went. And we'd have lots of people say, oh, I really like that, I really like that. And then we brought it back Christmas this year, but in like champagne bottles, um, just as a, like to celebrate over Christmas time. So many people don't drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we we were sort of um and ahhing about whether we wanted to keep a shop. We wanted to keep a kombucha as an all year rounder mm-hmm. because nothing else. We don't do a, a kombucha that we do all year round. So we sort of went backwards and forwards, and then we asked, I suppose, people on social media and on our mailing list, was there a particular one um, that they stood out? So the other one that we do that everyone always asks us about is we do a bonfire kombucha. And it's a smoky lapsang tea that we then second ferment with homemade toffee apples. And it's like it's like a peaty whiskey, so it's like smoky and sweet and it's really interesting and some people absolutely love it, some people don't like it because it's too smoky. Um so it was between the two really and I we just sort of made the decision that 
you couldn't do bonfire all year round. No, but I think for some people it would be a bit too much, it's like the smoky flavours. Yeah. If you were sipping it in summertime, it wouldn't quite be right. Yeah. Um, whereas the champagne cassis seem to fit the sort of like all year round. You need yeah. like a fire and a cold. cold yeah. yeah. It needs to be like, yeah, an autumn night or... Sorry, can we go back to... So you, you do your first ferment, so yeah. you've got your sugar and your lapsang, yep. lapsang souchon, and then you take it out and you you put it in with toffee apples. Yeah, so we take the scoby out, although it ends up forming another one anyway, mm. and then we make our own toffee apples because everything that we make is plant-based. Um, so it's just really local, good apples. And then we make like a toffee syrup with like vanilla and sugar, brown sugar, and then we add that in for our second ferment. And it's only in there two, three days, really. Yeah, it's quite um, quick. Because if you leave it any longer, it just becomes explosive with the sugar. Oh, well, yeah. Really. There's a um, possibility that you might make more, more booze. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so then, yeah, but then we, we pull it. Um, that sounds unreal. When When's that next going on? It'll probably it'll be autumn again. Be autumn, yeah. yeah. Back around to autumn then. I forgot to do that one again. It's the smoky tea is great. There's the, just like the flavour profile, it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's just purely, I think we sit down. I mean, we've planned now all the way through to September. So we tend to do summer, spring and summer planning together and then autumn, winter planning together. So when we hit probably around September time, we'll start, not September time, um, June time, we'll start to plan for autumn, winter. Um, okay. And it's just a matter of us making lots of weird experiments with yeah. what is going to be in season and then trying it and it doesn't always work no. we also make water kefir when we, this was beginning of last year so 2021 when we were literally looking at spring like oh we'll do a coconut and fennel water kefir that'll be really nice um and i don't know what went wrong we think it was possibly the oil in the coconut water that did something to the kefir was awful. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> it was like funky or no? Yeah, it, would... it was like it gone sour. Yeah, it was like sour. Okay. Milk. Yeah. The kind of taste. Um, I think it was possibly the, the used oil, coconut water. water. Probably got some. Just too fatty. Yeah. 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 And um, sorry. So the other thing I've got sitting in front of me is a roast roast dinner kimchi. Mm. <laughs> How did you? Um, what's your journey with with kimchi? I mean, that's the third seasonal kimchi that we've done. So we do a traditional kimchi that's just like plant-based, really traditional um, kimchi. And then when we launched in the November 20, we launched with a sprout and miso kimchi, um, which went down really well. Last summer we did Asian pear kimchi. Sorry, sprouted sprouted miso. Sprout and miso, so oh, Brussels sprouts and miso. Oh wow! In a kimchi. When well, when sprouts ferment, they get really nutty. Uh-huh. Um, so there isn't that kind of like sprouts get a bad reputation. Yeah, they do, and they're really great. Shit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they're steamed to death. You get them on a Christmas dinner, and it's just this ball so of mush. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like, but if they're cooked properly. They're really, really, really tasty. tasty. And in, in the kimchi, they were like really nutty, which went really well with the miso, and it kind of makes a yeah. combination. And then in the summer, we did the Asian pear, mm. which was essentially 
yeah, we just put Asian pears in our kimchi, which was really lovely. It just went slightly sweeter. Yeah, just it just slightly nice, sweeter. Nice taste to it. And then we decided that we wanted to go back to the sprouts because people loved them so much, but we wanted to do something a little bit different. And then, obviously, when you make a roast dinner, all of those... I said dinner and the yeah. dog looked at me. <laughs> when, it's too early. When we make a roast, um, you use all of those rooty veggies yeah. that are obviously seasonal around that winter time. So you're looking at, you know, your Swedes and your parsnips and your carrots. And then we're like, oh, we'll do that. We'll do a roast kimchi, but we'll add wasabi to mirror like, um, like a horseradish kick that you would have on a, like a beef roast. Oh, nice. So you've got the wasabi in there as well that adds that extra bit of I want to say heat rather than spice because yeah. it gives you that sort of like it's like a mustard heat isn't yeah. it which is like, so you still got your standard like chilli, ginger, garlic mm-hmm. in here yeah okay uh, and the nappers yeah yeah and yeah well, I don't the seafood uh, the seaweed, seaweed in there as well. as well yeah so the nori sheets they got like an umami seaweedy taste yeah. without using fish sauce so we do plant based everything so and has um has Robert encouraged you to get into into koji yet and making making your own miso? You have experimented with this only in a when Sam left Brewdog, he was working with a restaurant in Chester, mm-hmm. um, and you were work, you were doing some koji stuff there. I made koji once, yeah, um, but I was only there for six six weeks. weeks. Um, it didn't work out. Is the nicest way and easiest way yeah. of saying it. Uh, it didn't work out. And then, um, so I did make it once a week, have made miso with Robin. He came yeah. to the miso workshop with us. We'd made it before form. anyway as yeah. well. Um, um, just a standard, like, sweet white. So I think um, it's something that we would like to possibly play around with more. Yeah. Um, I make tempeh, and I'm pretty happy with just making Oh, nice. I mean, it sounds like you got a lot on your plate. As well, it? this is the thing. So <laughs> I, only two of us, I remember yeah. uh, Zach, who's in the Guild of us, he came to visit us at a market and he was like, how do you find the time? It's yeah. like, this is a, this is where we've fallen into the trap mm. of people tend to be a kombucha brewer or they make kimchi or they make krauts or they make kimchi and krauts. They tend to be like a drinks producer or a foods producer and they tend to just do that one type. Mm. And I'm like, we should possibly have done that we've created a rod for our own back yeah which is very happy rod we do take it because we also i really love brewing kombucha if i find it really calming so i'm more than happy to just do that because i find it really calming and sam loves making food so we've quite nicely split into different things as well yeah. i love making crowds just because i feel like the process is i find that relaxing because you take something that's really hard and then it softens and you know it's like you can kind of take your frustration out on the, <laughs> on the cabbage a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I totally get that. Yeah. No, I'm really interested. You said that because that's exactly the way I feel about miso. Is it? It's so um, what's the word like cathartic or yeah. You feel like you're healing yourself, <laughs> just like relaxing yourself yeah. when you're making it. I think there's something for me about kombucha making that when you like just making the tea in general and like looking at tea leaves and the smells and then I suppose it's like anything else watching that scope before and you're checking it and you see it and it gets thicker and that and it must be the same for you when you see like the koji take and the spores sort of you sort of get that sense of you're nurturing something and we always had this conversation about when we started fermenting on a more 
like they're like tamagotchis they are almost like you're feeding them and you're taking care of them and you, you yeah we and even our, all of our fermenters have names so we know what's in each one and um but i have it i make sourdough at home we don't sell it commercially because there's some really great sourdough producers in liverpool um also i don't have time but that you know we have it when we come down and the sourdough's been on its proof overnight and you're like oh my god look at it it's glorious it's risen and i'm going to pull it away look at all these bubbles yeah. that excitement as foodies aren't you if you're a foodie that's how you feel for me it's like it's next it's just that next level higher because the food's actually alive it's yeah. just like it has its own personality as well doesn't it and it is true that you do get to know yeah, like it's its own personality. You know what's like with the texture and the feel. And we try and explain it to people. We had a kimchi workshop last week, and we were talking about you know, like hand taste. This concept of hand taste, and you have to sort of explain to people about it's not dirty to, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you touch your food. Yeah. 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 And that um, element of you know we talk about it in a sense of when you're making sourdough the yeast on your body plays a part. Obviously, it's wild yeast. It's the whole point. And Sam, you talk about it in beer making, the wild yeast aspect. And obviously, in, um, you know, Miso and Mirren and all of the huge cultural around East Asia and the rooms that they're in. And we had this when we moved. We had to move our premises at the very end of last year before we obviously now are moving into our big unit. And I was terrified that when we moved, that it would completely disrupt all of our ferments your microbes wouldn't move yeah. with you <laughs> yeah. it was really interesting because we were moving from this bungalow that had been empty and full to a house that had you know was a living house people were living in it and I was like what if what if the temperature isn't right what if the scobies don't take what if and we were really lucky to be fair yeah but it'll be really interesting when we move again. You mean you were lucky the people who were living in the house before you had good microbes? Or? Well, they're still in the house. It's like, uh, it's my family house, yeah. it's my, like the house <laughs> I grew up in. We but were, more we're, lucky that, well, we're more lucky that they're letting us do it there. <laughs> yeah. You, this it could be a little bit like, like your in-laws, sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, we kind of take it over the garage. We've and, taken over most of their house. But yeah. The, the lounge is full of boxes and... One of the bedrooms is now just full of fermenters. Yeah. Because we couldn't put them in the garret because they needed to be warm, so we've enclosed them in a bedroom that's not being used as a bedroom. Yeah. It was a temporary fix for till we found a unit. Yeah. Which has kind of taken a lot longer than we thought it was going to take. So it's been there. Uh, it's worked, but it's yeah. stressful. But yeah, I find it's almost when I when you watch the. It's almost like a cliche in the film Chocolat mm-hmm. when she's making the chocolate and she's talking about making it with love. Mm-hmm. And then, but when you're when you actually look at the science and like the mm-hmm. the existence of yeast and these microbes being alive on your hands, it, it it does give it another level of like meaning, doesn't it? It's it is mad. We did have this conversation, didn't we? Again, during lockdown, I started making sourdough, and funny enough, my dad started making sourdough in separate houses. And one day he'd said to my brother, oh, can you do the turns on the dough? And my, my dad watched him do it. So it's exactly the right technique. And this bread just completely failed. And the only thing that we could put it down to was that he doesn't have enough yeast on his body to cultivate the bread. He's too clean. He's too clean. He's too clean. 
Yeah. Was that the only thing that we could put it down to? Because it was, was the, exactly the right Exactly the same. And your dad was like, that's how I do it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's like this. And he was like, you know. <laughs> it's just like a pancake. And yeah. it was really devastating. It was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. So is he now showering less? I don't know that it's... I think he's just got I can't make bread. Yeah. And that's sort of like, I'll just, just buy it. I can't make it. I'll just buy it. <laughs> but how, yeah, we just could not put it down to why... Why it wouldn't work. Why it hadn't worked. Because it was the same starter, it was the same, absolutely everything about it, yeah. apart from the fact that a different person had done it. I feel like you need, to, you need to test this more. I know, there should be like, if we, again, if we had more yeah, time, there would be some behind. weird science behind it. Yeah. But, I mean, he yeah. plays rugby, he should be covered in dirt. Yeah, should be. <laughs> should be. Maybe he's, he's cleaned himself too much. Possibly. I don't know. And so, um, yeah, tell me about your next... Um, step because you're doing this crowdfunder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the scariest thing. Escaping, escaping the home. Yeah. Yeah. So it's taken us eight months to find a unit. Um, we knew in May. Well, we knew December. We launched in November twenty. We knew by December twenty we were gonna have to move because we were in my grandma's house. And my grandma passed away, so we knew that the house was gonna end up being sold. So we'd sort of been like, okay weren't entirely sure what we wanted to do in terms of size and all of those things and where we wanted to base ourselves we started to look in may last year it took us till december to actually secure a unit um well we had a lot of run-ins with with landlords and solicitors being landlords and solicitors so uh, again with the first one we saw really liked it but it was far too big and then next one we went to see was in a railway arch it really wasn't food safe they told us that it was due a refurbishment and we were like oh when's the refurbishment happening and they went oh it's been done already and we were like are you kidding this is mad. <laughs> you know the state of it then we went to see one um and started negotiations literally had uh, contracts come out that was on it was an industrial site on the back of uh, there was a big chain supermarket it was behind there and We'd started, again, we'd sent it through to our solicitor. So by this point, we'd then hired a solicitor. Um, and she, we were going through the contract and then the agent came back to us and said, oh, I'm really sorry. Um, there is actually a clause on that site that the supermarket has put on to say that there can't be a food producer or seller within a mile of the site of the supermarket. Like, right, okay. Do you not think that you could have told us that before we even looked at this anyway? We were like, but we don't necessarily, we like producing food, we're not selling it. We're, we're not, not competing with a with supermarket, this, you know, you know, huge chain supermarket. And they were like, well, it's a bit of a grey area, we'd rather just get someone who isn't food. Okay. Fine. Then the next one was lovely again, but was being refurbished, and they said, it'll be ready this month, no, it'll be ready this month. Oh, there's also this extra room, oh, now you can't use this extra room. Oh, we've let it to someone else. Like, right, okay, but you you already sent us the contract. So if we'd have signed the contract, then what would you anyway? We finally settled on this one yeah. that had just come available basically, and the it was currently vacated. They moved out on the fourteenth of Feb. So we were like, obviously aware that we were going to have to wait because they had a tenant in it. Um, but the deposit on the lease is greater than the deposit that we paid when we bought a house. It's obscene. This is you doing the this matchworks, has been, yeah, right? this is yeah. the matrix. This is where we're moving to, um, and we keep saying as micro businesses, there's absolutely no support. 
there's no middle ground, is there? No. You're either a big business or, or you're so not. So even yeah. we, you look at like council grants or international grants that are for small businesses, they say you have to have, they'll match fund it if you've got 100,000. I'm like, no small business has £100,000. If we had £100,000, we would not be crowdfunding. It's just that simple. And we paying... We looking for investment full stop. We'd no, like, well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. We've definitely got enough to grow with. Yeah. Um, but paying a deposit like that takes all of the, the capital out of your business. Everything that we've worked for so hard since we started just goes. It's just, it's like monopoly money. It doesn't it just doesn't exist. Um, so we made the decision that we it's a perfect site it was exactly what we wanted it's got really good potential in terms of we can also put this cafe in there with the deli and we can do all of our workshops from there and we can uh, set it up as a co-working site and the whole plan is that it will be you know glass through so everyone can see what we're doing and the manufacturing space because it's the biggest challenge I feel is the lack of education and knowledge around what we do and we have it all the time where people come up to us at market and they go, oh, I don't like sauerkraut. I buy it, I bought it in the supermarket. It's, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying, but that's just... The, the common one is people walk up and go, it's all vinegar, isn't it? It's like, there isn't any vinegar. We don't put vinegar in, have it? The only thing that we like, has vinegar in ours is, is we, pickles. we make pickles. We make pickles, mm-hmm. so that's it. That's it. Oh, no, I had sauerkraut, it's just vinegar, isn't it? It's like, there shouldn't be. be. There shouldn't be any vinegar in it. There shouldn't be at all. So, you know, part of us is being able to have people in and they can see what we do. And, and so the, the idea is to have a space where you're producing, but you also, you say you're going to have coffee and like workshops in there. Mm-hmm. So the front bit will be, it will be like obviously separated to the food hygiene purposes, but there will be glass so that people can see straight through to the manufacturing space at all times it's going to be like a community space yeah the whole thing rather than yeah it covers lots of different areas but it's going to cover lots of different kind of things for the community you know if people want to use it we work with a charity locally called Liverpool Cares that put like different age groups in contact with each other Um, so they're like their cohorts or they call them neighbours they're either over 60 or below 30 and the whole idea is that they run events where they hold, they bring everyone together and it being like intergenerational. So the younger generation are obviously engaging with older generations and vice versa. Um, it's, we can use the space for those kind of <coughs> things. Shh. Um, for that sort of community. Like, yeah, because we do, that's a lot of what we do, the workshops that we run, that people pay for, we then run a separate workshop in the community of people who are underprivileged or low-income families so they can learn skills. I had this conversation this morning with someone about the price of food. It's cheaper now to buy a bag of carrots than it is to physically just buy two carrots, which is astounding. I we do this. I don't buy packs of apples. I'd rather just buy apples, but it's more expensive to buy apples singularly than it is to buy a pack of six, which just make any sense. But if you only need two carrots for a recipe and you've bought a bag of carrots... If you can start to educate people on when well, you can grate that and add salt and make a kraut and then the kraut can go in coleslaw or it can go in a salad or it can go in a sandwich, then you're helping people preserve their food while also providing them with probiotics. And it's just providing that education to people who might not have had the opportunity and wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to go out and buy a jar of sauerkraut because 
they don't have the income to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I find it mad. I always talk about how the class that was most ignored at school was home economics, mm-hmm. and it w- would have been the thing that was most useful for like yeah. <laughs> the rest of our life, but nobody took it seriously for some reason. But even then, like, I remember I went to an all-girls school, which obviously we definitely did home economics. Um, but we would, the, the it would be like, oh, bring some pasta and we'll make a lasagna. It wasn't actual key skills. Everyone still went to university and had pot noodles. Well, I was going to say this was like, was a, when I was in first year at university, I went, I went as a mature student. So I was twenty one when I started. And I'd worked in a kitchen, in like a pub kitchen, so I could cook a little bit. I'd like done cooking rather than chefing, I would call it. And there was a a lady who was in my flat in first year and the only thing she could make was smash oh and so she used to eat have you made that into me so yet i haven't no <laughs> <laughs> we should try that one. bowls of smash uh, for breakfast yeah. dinner and lunch like oh it's the God. only thing she she could eat she could cook she was like well you know she knew how to make it and that was it <laughs> it wasn't even a pot noodle it's like she just put a bag of stuff and then there was, she made like she made a cheese toasty once and i was looking at it she put bread and cheese in the microwave no. and pinged it and got it to cheese toasty and I was like it's not it's too soggy bits <laughs> like of bread steamed, steamed yeah. cheese but it's like she was 18 and had got to that age without having any educational Either. around you know how to food like how to cook for yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah no it was it was it was a joke wasn't it I can remember a boy in my friend's halls who put a pot noodle in the microwave and didn't, <gasps> even, put, the plastic. didn't even put water in it yeah. oh god it broke the microwave it was just this like tiny crumpled carbon <laughs> <laughs> mess of carbon yeah Actually, but, but this is the thing if, if you don't come from a foodie family or people who like to cook and no one's ever taught you those skills how would you know? yeah you wouldn't you just if, if yeah you know if you haven't had that education the schools aren't giving it I remember doing home economics and it was like bring some sausages bring some cheese yeah and you just cut the sausage and put the cheese in the sausage and then put it in the grill I remember taking it home to my mom and she was like we're not eating that <laughs> she was like I don't even know they're cooked Sam they're like sausages are raw in the middle there's just like this half melted cheese bubbling out of it she was like I've made pasta or something you know what I mean but it, it was like yeah all they make teachers to make cakes you just made loads of cakes which again is lovely, but which is great, but you can't eat. You can't, be- you can't live on cake alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't live on cake Famous alone. words. <laughs> and so, is your is your ambition to stay in like the food education business, or do you think you'll always sort of have a foot in each in production and in, in education? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for us, there's there's a number of things really. I think obviously we produce food, we do the workshops. We also want to work with, I think, I we've been having this conversation way before we started this. The way that, I suppose it goes back to what we were just saying, hospitality staff and, and I suppose any key worker that we've obviously highlighted within the pandemic, they don't take care of themselves well enough. Specifically within hospitality, most people are prolific drinkers, smokers, drug, like, Eat jelly. Eat jelly. They sit on a tiny stool. Drink twenty cups of coffee a day. Just yeah. To keep going. When you're doing it, like. And then they finish shift. their shift and they go out and they get drunk and then they start the cycle over again. And it's supposed to be like breaking that mold. And I talk about it in terms of medicine, in terms of like doctors and nurses that 
you know, you don't get time to eat and then you go home and you might eat crap and then you're back in on shift and maybe not, you are definitely smoking, but they're not taking maybe illegal substances. Um, you know, for us, it's around changing that workplace culture. And we talk about, we sort of run workshops with people around like the cultures that we make and how that can lead into changing your culture. Everyone, you know, the science around gut and brain health or mental health is so stark. And just like little tiny changes can make such a huge difference. So we sort of talk about, you know, yeah, we came and make food and yeah, we do these workshops, but we also want to work with people on changing how they eat their food and being more gut friendly and more mental health friendly. And I suppose there's just far too many sides to the coin of what we do, realistically. Well, you don't have to be one or the other. It's no. nice. It's no. nice to keep it. I think that will take more time for us mm-hmm. to kind of like work on those because you're not you're not changing the mindset of the employee it's the people who are in charge um yeah, i mean we have this we're obviously about to bring more team members on we are gonna have to especially in the new space and someone's talking about a friend of his the company that he works for is hiring it's a again a drinks producer just say and they're opening like a a bar within their like space and they were looking for a manager and the job spec was just horrendous there was like absolutely no benefits to the job and then does the argument is a job just a job or for me I think it's the hospitality thing of being like Sometimes what they put as benefits are like the most basic things. It's like you will get paid. You will have, you know, twenty-eight days holiday. You will have like you have a staff discount. A staff discount. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give you twenty percent off food when you're in work. And it's like well, we might give you a free beer at the end of your shift. And it's like perpetuating all these stereotypes. But it's also like if I, when I was working in hospitality, if someone said to me as a bonus, we'll give you blackout blinds so you can sleep, you know, during the day and work the night shift, I'd be like, yes, I'm glad of that. But it's, it's but instead what they do is they go that was a great shift here's a bottle of tequila and then chastise you the next day when you turn up absolutely hanging yeah like so, so hungover there's those kind of things I think like regardless of what industry you work in your employees are extremely important people you should do the utmost you can to look after them um, it doesn't necessarily I'm not necessarily talking like we talk money is a motivator mm-hmm. and it's like the studies show that money only motivates to a certain point it's you need to look after the the wellness of that person who's mm-hmm. working for you and so there's, I suppose that it's going to be like a longer struggle essentially yeah. for the point um, but it's something that we're quite staunch yeah. advocates yeah. for is like don't treat your staff like you know a robot machines yeah. before they do eventually take over because <laughs> we talk about it in terms of everyone's not the same be kind to the robots yeah, yeah. everyone's not the same so if you said to, like if someone said to me I'll give you blackout blinds I'd be like not fast but if someone said to me you know I'll give you a day off so that you can you know go for a hike with your dog I'd be like yeah that's if you get made sure that two, I get two weekends off a month or whatever that so that I can spend time with my family that's important to me it might not be important to someone else who doesn't have that it, you can't just assume that everyone is a square peg because we're not so we used to talk about this if you put a pot of money away and you said for some person some people that may be using that money to take their child to a football game for someone else it might be blackout blinds for someone else it might be a gym membership it, 
just, just saying like each employee has an emergency fund and then we put the £100 in that fund each month and then say for example they have, they have an issue or they have something and they go oh, I, need, I need some help yeah. for something you go okay well that's your emergency fund there you go you do what you need to do with it um, and then we start building it up again mm-hmm. because there may be an issue where like the car's broken and it's in the middle of the month it's always in the middle of the month and it's like I've got to you know <laughs> nothing ever breaks just after payday does it? it's like it's always the worst p- potential time or the the roof starts flooding and you go well I need to you know fix that though having those things in place is just it makes sense mm-hmm. um, this could be a whole completely different podcast, podcast. we could no, talk no, about this for hours no but it is it is interesting having the actual structure so that because it isn't a surprise when somebody there's always going to be somebody who has an, an issue like that like yeah for sure that's part of the chaos of, of life, life isn't it yeah of course and so for employers to be like oh we never saw this coming is yeah. like it's naivety but it's there they benefit from that naivety because mm. it's like <laughs> oh we, we we just don't have the money yeah well I think it's only like I I'm terrible at saving money Amy is again this is order of chaos but like <laughs> I get money and I spend it I spend it on stuff if I can yeah I've gotten a lot better because we have a dog a pet or a, a dog in a house a to pay for um but I know that full well that you know my money management skills were completely different, different when you worked in hospitality. hospitality and that I was in masses of like you know in my overdraft all the time we'd go out for another drink after work and I'd put it on the overdraft it'd be fine and like that sort of thing um, so there's an element of like financial education which should be in schools as well okay. this is turning into a political podcast yeah. really quickly sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and read it in. <laughs> no, but I think it's, it's funny how fermentation does, does quickly go into... Uh, because it's about feeding yourself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's about having the autonomy and the agency to, to make your own food and to be, to be independent. We did have this conversation a few weeks ago, and obviously it's on everyone's mind around the cost of living. And we were talking about... I think I just hadn't had a week and I hadn't made bread. And we bought a loaf of bread, and I was like, oh... I'm happy, obviously, the person that makes bread in Liverpool is great. Um, and I was like, oh, that's how much that costs. We can't afford to buy that every week. No, people can, and that's great. And it's also, I suppose, if we preferred that over something else, we'd probably make adjustments so that we could buy bread every week. But even things down to, we were discussing, should we start making our own toothpaste? Because it's so easy to make your own toothpaste. I've always thought about making deodorant and yeah. toothpaste. Because mm. you think, well, and also a lot of the stuff, okay, it's not, it's, you think it's reasonably inexpensive, but it comes in plastic. And and you think, well, we could, you could just do it yourself. So it is, I think for us, it has always been around make it, making There's an things. element of self-reliance. There's an element of like, it's quite fun to do. Yeah, it is. There's a, there's a bit of both, isn't there? Oh, we did it a few weeks ago. We, um, we I don't know whether this is a northern thing, I think called a picky tea. A picky tea is like, I suppose it's a bit like tapas where you have lots of things that you pick at. Um, so we... We well, you have a long day and you're like, let's just have a picky tea. So we, no, so we're like, let's do a picky tea. And, and instead of just being like, oh, I'll just go to the shop and buy like pack of hummus, uh, some of this, uh, we were like, we'll make our own falafels and we made our own hummus and we made our own flatbreads and we're making our own Greek salad and, and, and I suppose there's that element of, for us, that brings us pleasure but for other people, it's that time, convenience, money scenario so it's, 
that's cheaper to do all that and it tastes much better but it took me time or it took us time to do that for other people they would rather not have to spend that time and spend more money and I think that's what it comes down to is that some people are happy to be to just buy something because their time is more preciously spent on something else yeah. and for us this is where we prefer to spend our time because we like making food. fermentation is slow food as well yeah. I think, is the main thing and like it, it takes time yeah. and then you have to leave it for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. um, especially with miso it's you know it's a lot longer isn't it it's like, it takes a while yeah. yeah longer than making a baby yeah because yeah. <laughs> we do say this didn't we when we had it at Christmas where we'd sort of become so stagnant with we couldn't make any more than we currently were making and we were turning things around as quickly as we possibly could and um, and I put up on our social media you know if you if you want something for Christmas if you're looking to buy it for a Christmas present we would highly suggest that you buy it sooner rather than later because we are it's looking like we're going to sell out and someone texted me it was a, a few well it was I want to say like a week before Christmas or something yeah. and they said oh I wanted to get some stuff off the website it's um, a head of beverage that works within the city so we supply to their uh, number of their sites and he was like I, I want to get some stuff off the website and I was like okay well we're actually running really low at the moment but you know if because he lives around the corner from us so he basically had texted to say if I order stuff will you drop it off and I had to deal with no problem but we are running really low and he texted me back and went oh you don't have any of this like no no we don't we don't have any of this either no don't have any of that either and he's like oh do you have do you have something like like spare or I'm like, no no we genuinely don't have anything as well when's the next lot going to be ready new year it's going to be the new year now and th- there's an element of trying to explain to people that it isn't like baking a cake it's not like you can say oh, i really want a cake when it's and gone it's gone it's got you know if well, he said to us basically, he was like, I thought you were just trying to drum up trade before Christmas. Yeah. And we were like, no, we generally don't have anything. Yeah. You know, it's not a sales tactic. We just, we had the Our fridges, fridges were empty. empty. And we, we, we were like, at some point we have to stop because we need to take time off for Christmas. Yeah. And it was just like, that was it. So we ended up filling our fermenters with, I don't think it was even kimchi because we knew that we weren't going to, I think it ended up being sauerkraut. It was sauerkraut. Because we thought, well, that's a longer ferment for us, so that's okay in the fermenter while we, we take some time off over Christmas. It was like the 20... No, 23rd? We finished on the 23rd of Christmas. 23rd. 23rd of December. We fill in sauerkraut on the 23rd. <laughs> that yeah. was it, Christmas. <laughs> Literally. I think that was the last day that orders went out as well, before Christmas. Yeah. But, yeah, there's an assumption that, that you're either lying or you're telling fib or... Mm. <laughs> and then we also are running into a problem as most kombucha brewers are now, of we're having people who are fast tracking their kombucha brewing with this new product that's synthetic, or I don't even know what it is. And then they're like, well, how come your kombucha takes 21 days and theirs takes two? Because it's not kombucha. Yeah, it's funny, there's no kombucha police or (laughs) there's no, like... Somebody who's regulating the... No, and I suppose I understand in a sense of, well, I do and I don't. Obviously, if you're not champagne, you can't call yourself champagne. It's the same principle. And then they're saying that they should be called kombucha-style drinks, like the powder thing that came out that was in the Guild of the Week, or like mixing powder with water and it being kombucha. Uh, really? That's, that's not... 
People will always buy those things. I suppose there's an element of people will buy those things and say, oh, there's instant kombucha that you can buy and it's a bag of powder and you put water in it. And they try it and go, it's not really very good. But they're then aware of kombucha and they may then go and try actual kombucha or like proper kombucha if you want to call it that. I wonder whether this is what happened when people started drinking instant coffee. The coffee roasters were like, ah, 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 that's not real coffee. Yeah. It's instant, it's not the same. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I don't know, I see some of those strange... Um, artificial products and I don't feel like you necessarily are competing with them because people are coming to you because for that yeah. like handmade homegrown I mean you must have that with miso when people buy miso off the shelf and you're like that's not proper miso yes yeah, it's, it's very difficult when you're especially miso is like such an so many people don't know about it um, and so there is a huge educational thing as well mm. but I again, I don't, I don't see myself as competing with. You know, we're all just trying to yeah. make it more available and grow the market size. Because when you're not in a saturated market, you, it's, it's the, the privilege then of mm. just like I don't need to compete. I can just go and find. There's so many new people who have never heard of this. Yeah, definitely. So um, we have this a lot where um, a lady who makes kombucha and a pool. We were doing a. It was a peer networking where they'd asked us to come and talk about our journey and how we've started our business for other people that might be interested in starting a food business. And she did make kombucha and she was like, I just wanted to come and speak to you guys and like just say, she's like, I don't see you as competition. And I was like, well, no, because the market's big enough. It, I, I just don't see us as competition. Um, I'm more inclined to have a conversation with you about you're a single brewer. How are you doing? How are you... You know how are you coping because there's challenges and and as a single even any single business owner it must be really hard because you don't have someone like we have each other to sort of spitball off or um but i do think that the market is big enough that i mean like look at the guild like we're not sat there being like oh i'm not saying yeah. anything because you're my competitors it's it's more of a how can we create a collective to share our knowledge and and collaborate and you know it's a community yeah it's community. the whole thing isn't it it's like community and also as well as the, you know people are making it in different areas mm-hmm. so there's that aspect of it as well it's like we're not necessarily competing with the the bigger kind of stuff you get in the supermarket yeah like, there'll always be those like the vinegary sauerkraut that mm-hmm. will last last forever on the shelf outside yeah, the fridge I mean we had it um when we first started what we were doing, we approached a farm shop and he said, oh, I already have this. He's like, I happily will take your stuff. And I'm basically on the premise of, if people like it and they buy it, then I'll reorder. He's like, but I'm also conscious that we do already stock, like kombucha and kimchi and whatever. He's like, so I don't want to take away from their business either. I'm like, no, that's not what we're trying to do. What we do, I suppose this is where the seasonal element comes from, is that we aren't making black kombucha, so we're not competing with people who like black kombucha. If people like that, then they'll buy that. We don't make kimchi that's got fish in it, so if people want to buy that, then they won't buy ours, and that's okay too. So it's like we're not trying to push someone else off the market, we just do something that we think is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to try these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How, um, tell me, say, uh, say the name of your website and the fundraiser, um, 
it's easier if I do. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I suppose if you use the search platform and put in the fermentation station, we should come up. Uh, but the which, website. Which platform, sorry? Any search platform. I'm or not going to name one. Oh, right. <laughs> Just in case people are uh, specifically a. Uh, other other search platforms are, are available. Radio. We listen to radio, <laughs> BBC radio too often. Yeah. Um, any search platform, the fermentation station, we should come up. Um, but if not, the website is www.thefermentation-station.co.uk and it links to the crowdfunder there. Um, again, if you're on social media, anyone, the fermentation station. And I have been very much pushing the crowdfunder so if you go to any of them it should be on there you should see it uh, <laughs> on uh, Facebook, Instagram oh, LinkedIn, it's, in, everything. Okay. <laughs> it's become the bane of of my life, I said I've never posted so much and I'm like, people must be sick sick of the sight of us but yeah. we've got till never. Sunday so we'll keep pushing until double, then double down, ten yeah. times a day yeah. <laughs> I don't even know don't have time keep, keep pushing it until you see your followers just drop <laughs> <laughs> do you know the interesting thing is that they consistently have gone up since we've started yeah. and I'm like if only 1% of you <laughs> yeah. we're getting there we're we are there. yeah we're, we're very hopeful we're, yeah no people we're all responsible of our own how, how much we're on our phones so yeah. if they've seen too much of you they should yeah, yeah. <laughs> take a screen break we keep making a joke that like being on the the platform for the crowdfunder is like being in a toxic relationship because you're constantly like checking it and checking yeah. it what's going on what's, what's going, going on what's yeah. going on but no it's, it's uh, going well it's going well we've not got not got long left no that's amazing well I wish you the best of luck and I'm I'm excited to come back and yeah. come to the match yeah, next, we'll time time unit unit next time yeah come see the space that'd be awesome yeah Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 